Welcome to Marketing Thought Leadership, the podcast that offers insightful discussions on thought-provoking marketing topics. Here's the host of our show, marketing consultant, speaker, author, and educator, and the president of L2M Associates, Linda Popke. Hi, this is Linda Popke, and welcome to our latest episode of Marketing Thought Leadership. We're here today with Stacey Honke. She's the founder and communication expert of Stacey Honke, Inc., and she's also the author of Influence Redefined, Be the Leader You Are Meant to Be, Monday to Monday, and Yes, You Can, Everything You Need from A to Z to Influence Others to Take Action. Stacey and her team have delivered thousands of presentations and workshops for leaders of such Fortune 500 companies as Coca-Cola, Nationwide, FedEx, Kohl's, and AbbVie. So, uh, Stacey, welcome, and wonderful to have you here. Thank you. I always appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for trusting me with your listeners. Okay. So influence is something we hear about a lot, right? We are always trying to be more influential. Mm -hmm. We have people that are writing books on this. Uh, But you're saying some people might not be as influential as they think they are. How do you know that that's true? Because it's kind of (laughs) perceptive, right? It's perception. It it sure is. You know, we we have to speak from experience. A lot of it is just we've been in business for 17 years, celebrating this year. And a lot of that feedback is coming from the many, many leaders that we get an opportunity to coach. I think first it's important for your listeners to know that I believe that's true, that comment, because a lot of us think that influence is the wrong definition. Influence is not something that you have a high-stakes conversation, however we define it, and you turn it on. And because you have the conversation, everyone that you're trying to influence, they hear you, they understand you, they're able to follow through. Here's what influence is. It's that the body language and the messaging, they are consistent Monday to Monday. Now, that's pretty deep. That's very deep because how many times have your listeners – been in a conversation and they're thinking about, do I have brevity? What am I doing with my eyes? How does my voice sound? We're all about sprinting through life, get through the next email, get through the next meeting, whatever it might be on our agenda for the day, always focusing only on the messaging. Here's the second reason why I think that statement is true. We're just not aware. I find the majority of us are not aware of really how our listeners experience us rather than what we believe to be true. And we we really go off of this mindset, well, if I feel good, if it's easy, I've been in this field for a long time, I communicate all the time, we we believe that our feeling drives the level of influence that we have rather than fact. And fact would be the perception of our listeners. Interesting. So it's sort of, um, you know, you're almost kind of breathing your own exhaust, right? You're believing your own PR and Mm -hmm. saying, hey, I've done this, I've done that, I'm obviously doing really well and I'm influential as opposed to someone looking at all that and saying, oh, I'm watching that, but I don't believe the thing they're saying. That's exactly right, yes. And there's such – I'm so intrigued with the whole concept of influence based on how I defined it because there really is a misperception, and I'm to blame as well, misperception of how we feel no matter what type of interaction, no matter what type of medium we're trying to influence through. There really is a misperception of how we feel rather than what everyone else perhaps is saying. And it could be a good thing. I'm not saying that because you you feel bad means that people perceive you as not as influential. Sometimes that's completely the opposite as well. That's interesting. So if, if we use that definition of influence, how do we be more influential in today's world 
where we have all these people thinking the wrong way, and we've got all these technological devices and distractions. And when I tell people I talk about marketing above the noise, the good news is we have all these devices and media and ways to reach people. Uh, and the bad news is we have all these devices and media and ways to reach people, and everybody's overwhelmed. So in that particular scenario in the world we live today, how do you be more influential? Yeah, and I think we have to take a step back. Two steps to take is first you've got to ask for feedback. And I'm not saying, you know, you typically ask, how did I do? And frequently we hear a very consistent response. Good, nice Good, job. Yeah. That was great. <laughs> and that's, that's problem number one. I mean, you and I both know that's not even close to feedback. It's taking a step back and finding people in your personal life as well as in your professional life to really give you constructive feedback on how do you come across? What is your message? How does it land? What does it leave? What do you leave behind? How do you show up? That would be step number one. To piggyback with that is a step that a lot of us don't like to take, yet you brought up technology and we've got the technology to do it, is really start recording yourself. Give yourself an opportunity to experience yourself through the eyes and ears of your listener. But I don't know how else to, whether it's in myself, my team, the people that I coach, without video and audio playback, I, I don't know how to give people that experience. That's interesting because we, a lot of us don't like to ever listen or watch ourselves on a recorded media. No, right? We're like, we yikes, don't. Um, we don't want to do that. But otherwise, it's, it's like I tell people, you don't have an arm long enough to take a selfie of yourself that's in proportion. Right? <laughs> Someone else has to give you that <laughs> feedback. Yeah. That, that's, and that's so true. Yeah. So, um, so we see so many people that are not doing this um, and that they believe they're influential or they – are um, you know they're seen as others by others as more or less influential than they think. Um, if you wanted to take some steps today to to kind of fix that, what would you suggest that that we do to kind of grow our own influence? Well, besides the feedback and the videotaping, like that's going to be your your base mark. So I want you to think mm -hmm. like an athlete, a musician, an actor, an actress. That they're constantly seeing themselves in action. But that's step number one. From there, I, I'm confident that you will be able to identify what you don't like, and that's what we want to start to enhance, as well as what you do like, and you also want to enhance that. And usually what I have learned from experience is some things that we really struggle that prevent us from being as influential as we could be, we say too much. We have this perception of the more I speak, the more knowledgeable I will sound. It's mm, really we, making sure that your message has less words, yet your message is very proportionate to what your listener needs in order to act on what you're recommending. So we want to tell people everything we know rather than just what they need. We do. Well, well yeah. that's what we want to do, and it's really navigating and using pauses, speaking in short, I call them short bulleted sentences. That way, every time you're pausing, the whole idea of not only just thinking on your feet, even more powerful benefit, you're really paying attention to what is this person saying to you verbally and non-verbally. We tend to talk a lot. When we talk a lot, we start to speak in paragraphs. It's almost as if we're having conversations with ourselves. I, I'm sure we've all experienced this. You know, how many times are you in a one-on-one -on -one conversation or maybe you're in a small meeting? The person who is talking 
is so caught up in their own dialogue that half the room is either down in their smartphones, having side conversations, daydreaming, and then the person <laughs> that is speaking a lot, they leave that interaction saying, all right, everyone listened, had the conversation, right. now I'm on to my next meeting. It, it's really influence redefined is about taking a real close look on areas of your communication, so split it into verbal and nonverbal, that perhaps you haven't looked at in a while. You, you, I have several pages in the book that separate the chapters that talk about you may not be as influential as you think you are if, and then I've got a list of scenarios. And some of those scenarios are really powerful. And I hear a lot of leaders saying, well, it's their problem because they're a problem employee. They, they, they don't act on or don't follow through. And sometimes I look at that leader's communication and I say, it, it's not their fault. It's actually you. It's the way you deliver the message that is so complicated, they can't follow it. And since we're living in this world of noise that you brought up earlier in this call, we have a choice. As listeners, we have a choice. What do we want to filter through? And what of the noise, the message, we are actually going to pay attention to and consider acting upon? That's interesting. It's really fascinating. And, and I think sometimes we also, we can't stand silence. Like we want to fill a pause, right? I mean, you've seen that. <laughs> yeah. Mm, we do. We do. I have so many stories of, of individuals who have made these very comical comments about why they don't pause, and, and they'll laugh through it with me. I had an engineer once tell me he watched his playback with me, and he looks at me and says, I don't even understand what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I, I told him if you don't understand it, understands it. He went on to tell me how he really believes that the more he speaks, the smarter he will sound. Mm. Yet we, how many times have you admired a leader who says a lot, that they have impact in their message with very few words? Yep. Those are the I mean, people you think admire. about someone like the, the Dalai Lama, right? Very few words. You know, mm. Someone of that nature. Yep. Yep. That's a good, good comparison, yes. Yep. So you talk about a new updated influence model. What's driving this? You, can you tell us what some of the things are that we could start to, to work on? What are the drivers of this new model? Mm -hmm. One of them we've touched on, two of them we touched on. So if their listeners can imagine a triangle, the left arm, left side is feedback. The right is practice. But I'm talking deliberate practice. It's today when you're on a phone call, think about brevity. You get up to walk through your corporate hallways. Think about how you're standing. Is your posture open that you're paying 100% attention to the conversation rather than traffic that you have to deal with later that day? The bottom of the triangle is accountability. And to me, it's if you don't have action steps every day to consciously be thinking about your communication verbally and nonverbally, what you don't hold yourself accountable to will never get measured. So that, that's the outside of the triangle. Inside the triangle are different elements. I call those first drivers, three key drivers. I just walked you through the feedback piece. And then inside the model is several elements, and self-awareness is one. I think that's always the best place for anyone to start off with, is really to increase the self-awareness of where am I lacking? Where do I create distractions, both verbally and non-verbally, that make it difficult for my listeners to not just hear, but to understand 
And then that final step is that's where influence happens, to act. And throughout those elements, I lay it out in the book on how you can be practicing these in your personal life, in your professional life, to make sure that influence is something you're constantly working on. I think that's something that's really important. Unfortunately, this isn't a certification <laughs> where right. you read the book, you, you get some feedback, and now you are influential. Now you're influential. <laughs> and that, that's, that's it. And that's what makes this so hard. It, it truly is. I use a lot of analogies with athletes or anyone that has to really polish and constantly focus on their muscle memory. That's what communication communicating with influence really is. It's a lifelong learning because if you really practice brevity, you'll start to get rid of some of what I call these filler words, these noises that we make to fill space, and then you'll find another. Right. <laughs> and it truly is the, the constant learning, the leader who is constantly self-aware that I find those are the individuals that get this concept of influence is a work of art it's a work of practice every day of the week. So it's a journey, not a destination. Oh, it is a long journey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. So you've talked about a lot of these things. Um, one of the things you talk about in the book is that there are many ways that leaders go to apologize. They do it the wrong way. Can you explain what you mean by that and, and how, what can we learn from that? Let me try to break it down nuggets. The first nugget is the word choice. And it's apologizing, yet you don't sound like you're really apologizing. Mm. You sound like you're apologizing because someone told you you needed to. Or you're a leader, you're an executive, I guess you don't necessarily have to be in that role, and you just know that's the best thing you should do. I'd, I'd be careful with words that sugarcoat the word but. I'd leave it out completely when I'd apologize. Here's what it sounds like. I'm really sorry that I made that decision without your approval, but. And then we finish the sentence. Leave it out. And really everything before the but is kind of irrelevant. After <laughs> oh, what comes after the but is what you're that. saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. As much as we know that, I can't tell you how many times I hear the but bomb. People are bombing that word left and right. Now tying my response to body language make sure you truly come across in every movement you make, words you speak, and tone in your voice that you sincerely mean the apology. And how many times do we see, you know, media is a good example of this. Anytime there's a hot media story, usually they will bring in a body language expert. The body language expert dissects. Do they really, are they really apologizing or not? <laughs> when you see yeah. people on the witness stand. You know, I had once read a study. I can't quote the study because it's been a number of years. They talked about how the, the high the percentage of people that were guilty on the witness stand just off of their body language. They're turning oh, to the side, crossing their yeah. arms, crossing their legs. I think that would be one. The second one is apologizing, promising that you are going to fix it, and then you keep making the same error again. Mm. So now it's a lack of follow-through. Number three, a little bit more high-level, is always position your apology with, now what? What are you going to do about the mistake that was made? And make it quick. Yeah, I, I believe in making the apology quick rather than going on and on, and now you put a spotlight on the apology. Apologize, move on, move on to what is next. 
And the more you can move on to what is next, you start to put that listener's focus on the future rather than hanging on to the emotion they may have that's tied to the wrongdoing that you did that you're apologizing for. Excellent. Excellent. Um, you know, and it's funny, if I think about kind of big corporate snafus, something that need to be um, apologized for, let's look at the Boeing 737 MAX 8 disasters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and after mm-hmm. the first one, Boeing came out and said some things, and after the second one, you know, they didn't want to say too much until everybody decided to ground them. And through this whole process, as I was listening to what you're saying, I didn't feel like they were really doing any of these things to apologize. You know, they were telling us a lot of things, and they were, you know, not telling us where, you know, when it was going to be fixed or what they were doing or or what's going to happen, and they were sugarcoating things. So I suspect that this probably happens in the corporate world with, with big mistakes like this quite frequently. And I wonder if it's because they're so sensitive, which they need to be, they're so sensitive to saying the wrong thing, giving away too much information, yet if you're not giving the explanation of, well, what's next? And you know, I'm not saying you have to give give the farm away. Right. <laughs> you don't have to give everything away. But the less we say sometimes, the more, using your words, we should code it. Now you're creating false stories in your listener's mind, and you're letting them create what is the solution. Right. You're letting them read between the lines, and usually that's never good. We tend to go to a dark place of, well, what if, and it's usually a, a more of a serious solution than perhaps what the actual apology was. My father used to ingrain in my sisters and I. He says, there's one thing you can do, even if you don't want to do it, to tell the th- truth. Nothing can come bad out of telling the truth. Yeah. And I think what he's really saying is admit to your fault, but now stand up to that fault. Because I think that's what the apology does, is it admits, hey, I am human. I made the mistake. I, I'm acknowledging it. And here's what I need to do now about it. And, and then even if it was a situation, me. yes, well, that's it, right? Yeah. And I think even if the situation is I don't know what the solution is, it, it, you know, that's being truthful and that's having integrity. You know, now, I mean, we could even take this conversation in a, a darker tunnel and that being look at the apology sometimes that's just made via social media oh, or yeah. the communication that we create or we don't create through social media. And to me, there's just so much lack of integrity with some of the posts that individuals will make because they're hiding. To me, it's hiding behind a social media post instead of actually having a conversation with people. And they feel, they they say things on social media that they would never in a thousand years say if if we were facing Yes. Yeah. It's it's almost like the world, I think. Yeah, there is. Sometimes I'll follow, and I find it entertaining. I will not partake, but I figure if it's on Facebook, I I can then read it like everyone else, where right. there will be an argument going back and forth on Facebook. And I just laugh because I'm thinking, <laughs> you really think you're going to resolve this? Not only that, like you had said, if you were in person with this person, would you really be that deep into politics right now, or would have you nope. resolved it? Yeah, that's true. So that's part of influence, too, is knowing that every message you throw out there, your name is attached to it. The good news, you really get to determine the level of influence you have. You get to determine the reputation that you create every day just by how you show up consistently, or are you inconsistent with all of those mediums? 
So we've talked a lot about some ways that, a number of ways where you see people who don't have the truth or not. We don't see the integrity. We, we see these things as being kind of false stories. Can you give us an example of perhaps an organization or a company or an individual we might know who has done this well? That, uh, I, I can't off the top of my head. I can think of some of our clients that have. Okay. And I, I think the leaders that I've had the opportunity to interact with, the ones that really do this well is exactly what we're talking about. They, they will just admit their faults, but they also are so open with their communication. And I say they do this well because when they go to their organization and I might work with their team, their, their, that leader's personality and style of how they show up, how they respect each other, I see it throughout their team. Now flip the coin. There's been many times my company and my team and I have gone into an organization. We have not met the leader. The leader is not part of the event that we're doing, and we get to interact with their team. And you, you get a real strong sense of perhaps what that leadership is like. I know I can't guarantee it because I may never meet that leader, but it will be just disrespect. To each other, it will be how they interact with each other is a lot more cold than in the first scenario that I give. You know, it, it comes back to the camera is always on, and yep. the higher up you climb in an organization, or even if you if you never want to be in a leadership role, people are always watching you. They always watching how you show up, what you do, and you have a chance every day. You have many chances throughout the day that once you start jeopardizing that level of trust and getting people to guess who are you really, it will be very difficult to build a reputation, one that you're proud of, unless you totally don't care, right? <laughs> right. No, absolutely. So we've been talking here with Stacey Honke. She is the author of Influence Redefined, Be the Leader You Were Meant to Be Monday to Monday. Stacey, if people wanted to find out more about you and your book, where would they go? Our website, which there is a lot of resources there. We give a lot of stuff out complimentary, also through social media so people can use us as a resource. It's my name on the website, which is Stacy with an E-Y, H-A-N-K-E-I-N-C dot com. Excellent. Good. And I want to ask you one more question before I let you go. You talk about leading Monday to Monday. That's just intriguing. Mm -hmm. What do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. Everyone always asks that. The best way I can describe it is however the athlete practices Monday through Friday, that sport is a reflection of how they will perform on Saturday. Part ah. of being influential is you got to be consistent, where how you experience me right now on the call is how you'd experience me if you and I were having lunch today. Mm -hmm. so when we start getting people to guess how we show up every day, and, and you know this, right? You, you've interacted with someone when they stand up in front of a group and they give a presentation. They are on. And then you see them off stage and you're thinking, huh, that is a totally different person. <laughs> Maybe yeah. not to that extreme. But it's we, we have to show up consistently. That's what I mean by Monday to Monday. And, and practicing the skill set. I mean, if you want more brevity, you can't practice brevity during your meeting this afternoon and then don't touch it again till later this week. It will never happen. It will never become your new norm. So this needs to be part of our daily regimen of um, of exercise. Except that instead of exercising our our bodies, we're exercising our influence or our ability to reach out and communicate to people. 
You hit it right on the head. I'm a big fitness guru, and I always tell my audiences, you cannot eat healthy Monday to Wednesday and expect the rest of the week to happen on its own. You have to do it. And of course, you get a cheat day, right? Right. You've got to do it. You've got to be all in or not. And I think that's what really significantly separates individuals who are good communicators versus those who are influential Monday to Monday. That's fantastic, and that's a great place, I think, to, to leave our listeners with something to think about. So we've been here again with Stacey Hunky. She is the founder and communication expert of Stacey Hunky, Inc., and the author of Influence Redefined, Be the Leader You Were Meant to Be Monday to Monday. Stacey, thanks so much for having you here. Thank you. It was such a pleasure, and thanks to your listeners to just tune in when I know they've got many other things to do. All right. Fantastic. This is Linda Popke. Until next time, thank you for listening to Marketing Thought Leadership. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Marketing Thought Leadership, brought to you by L2M Associates. If you'd like to find out how you can improve the return on your investment in marketing programs, processes, or people, contact us at www.l2massociates.com.